pieces uh, from Didas Calies and Sun Memories. KBOO 90.7 FM from Portland, Oregon. We're going to continue the show here tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show with the music by Look Fairy on a Different Nature. Look for a Different Nature every Monday night from 8 to 10. Cable Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Gospel of Loving Kindness at the Interstate Firehouse Cultural Center in Portland. The Gospel of Loving Kindness is a play by Marcus Gardley based on the true story of 15-year-old Hadiya Pendleton who was killed in Chicago after performing at the presidential inauguration in 2013. This play runs from March 10th through April 9th on Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 3 p.m. Again, that's The Gospel of Loving Kindness, March 10th through April 9th on Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 3 p.m at the Interstate Firehouse Cultural Center, 5340 North Interstate in Portland. More information is available at kboo.fm on the right-hand side of the homepage under Community Events. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Identities and Futures, Women and non-binary folks speak out March 7th at 7.30 p.m. at Holocene in Portland. Identities and Futures is an evening of performances, animation, and DJs, including DJ Kim Fizzy, Lily Croft, Jean Etheridge, Pocha Radicales, and more. Again, that's Identities and Futures, Women and non-binary folks speak out March 7th at 7.30 p.m. at Holocene, 1001 Southeast Morrison Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. This is KBOO Portland, listener-powered, non-corporate community radio. I am your host, Taria Autry. This is a special bonus episode that is airing right now to feature some amazing talent from PCC, Sylvania, a writing workshop that I hosted there in February. And you will also be hearing from a wide array of readers from the Unchaste reading series that took place in February and was co-hosted by S. Renee Mitchell. The music playing in the background is A Tribe Called Red, and the song is Burn Your Village to the Ground, the instrumental intro of that song. Great group. You should check out more of their music. We're going to get started with some students and staff reading from the workshop at PCC Sylvania. 
My name is Stephanie, and this is a poem that I based off of my great-grandmother. Grandchild, who taught you to stay quiet and meek? Who taught you to walk down the street with your head bowed and your eyes on the street? When I was your age, I marched down the roads of my village and cursed those who tried to look down at me. You're a woman. Get your gun, and if you can't, then read. Read until your brothers can't say you're dumb. Read until you feel you can do and say anything. But still, learn how to beat them if they still think they're better than you. You're a woman. When I was your age, they wouldn't let me go to school. They wouldn't let me learn how to read. So I became a communist. Now my family and my government's after me. But so what? I'm a woman. Grandchild, who told you you can't cry? Who told you to hold it up inside even when you felt you would die? When I was your age, I bawled until the whole street kicked at my door. You're a woman. You can cry and still be strong. That's what being a woman is all about. And if you still don't know what you're all about, that's okay. Who taught you? My name is Daniela Ramirez, and the piece I'm going to be reading today is called Cloudy Day. It's a cloudy day. My mother is driving down 65th Avenue on our way to church. I'm in the passenger seat of her 2002 Subaru. I roll down my window and I see two-story homes with two acres of green grass where the chickens are roaming free and Delilah's planted. I see the horses trapped inside their stables. I know how those horses fell. Trapped by a society where I am asked if the money I carried was real. Where I am followed in stores where I am set up to fail because of the color of my skin, and a culture labeled with no success. I look at my beautiful mother, who I notice staring at me with her warm, tired smile, and suddenly it didn't feel so cloudy today. We arrived to church, and I am thankful for being me, and I pray for a two-story home with the green grass, chickens, and horses who roam free. Hi, my name is Fiona Kakdak, and this is what I wrote today. I'm clueless of what I'm doing, but I'm aware of what's happening. I could be out of place, or this could be the start of my new phase. I don't know where to go and how to begin. There are just people who hold me back and wouldn't let me do my thing. Nothing is wrong, nothing's right. It's just the labels that keeps us from thinking what's right. Why is the world cruel? Why can't all be free? Why does someone always have to say something to hurt another and let them feel deep? Is fighting the only way to keep this world spinning? I hope mankind would find a better solution to have life continue moving. My name is Javen Green, um, and this is a letter to my great-great-grandchildren. There were no borders, no nations. Just bands of lovers roaming, healing, growing. What does justice look like where there is no crime, no violence? Collectiveness trumps the individual. You cannot imagine the past where we hated each other but loved money, power, fame. You cannot imagine the past where the earth screamed in pain, frustration, desperate for us to listen. All you know was now, here. You are free to travel, to explore, to grow. 
There were no borders to transgress, no nations to dictate, just bands of lovers healing each other, growing into you. I want to give a big shout out to all the participants in the workshop. You heard from four of them, Javen, Daniela, Fiona, and Stephanie. Um, and there was also a woman by the name of Carol who joined in the first half of the workshop but wasn't there for recording. I want to thank all of them for just being fantastic. I did put them on the spot a little bit with the recording that day, and they all rose to the occasion and did fantastic. So um, thanks to everybody in the Multicultural Center at PCC Sylvania for um, allowing me the opportunity to work with some fabulous people. I truly appreciate it. And next up, we are going to hear from Ginny Forrester about the Unchased Reader series. Half of tonight's performers have performed at previous Unchased Reading events, and half of tonight's performers are new to the series. The Unchased give their fictions, their poetry, their joys, and their lives. These are generous things to give. It's also generous to listen. Please be generous. The co-curator and host for this evening has an MBA, is an award-winning writer, community activist, spoken word poet, and she is a creative revolutionist. In her 50s, Renee started exploring her potential as a self-taught multimedia artist because she wanted to see multi-dimensional art that captured the wholeness of her womanhood and challenged society's attempts to marginalize her and make her invisible. Each art piece and poem as a meditative statement that reflects her affirming journey toward connection, awakening, clarity, and creativity. Motivated by intention and heart, Renee's deepest desire is to use creativity to let go, gather up, and move on, and help others do the same in order to find themselves, their voice, and their place in the world. Everyone, please warmly and loudly welcome your host for the This event right here, right now, is liberated space for black women. Black women who are reading tonight. So this is for you, those who are reading tonight, and for every other black woman in this room. Black women own, own this evening to celebrate our lives. So everyone's level of comfort and everyone's level of safety will be set by the black women in this room. I'm gonna start out with a, with a piece and then introduce our other speakers. So this piece is called, I Pledge Allegiance to Me. Look at me standing here, right hand over heart, pledging to be faithful and true to a nation that serves black folks the blues, a country deeply divided by race and class and imaginary boundaries that preaches love and practices hate and then expects me to participate. When it comes to loyalty, promises in which I can believe, hand over heart and I mean this sincerely, I pledge allegiance to me. I promise to be faithful and true to my dreams and best intentions, not to mention my intuitive wisdom. I promise to no longer stand in the sidelines of my own life, waiting for a touchdown so my happiness can begin. It starts now, 
intentionally, being and doing, acting, living, hoping, dreaming. Still, I caught myself waiting for validation, emancipation from my own self-doubt, from letting people take advantage, from accepting less than I deserve, hoping that one day you would notice and treat me for, like I'm worth what I'm worth, which is everything. I stopped waiting for an apology. I stopped hoping one day you would notice me. I stopped serving as a witness to you picking low-hanging fruit from your disrespect tree. From this point, I'm going to act like a woman who deserves to be loved, to be only loyal to those treating me as royalty. So when you step to me carelessly, thinking that I'm going to be impressed with your silly bling bling, please, brother, you can keep your ring and your little ding-a-ling, and I am a phenomenal woman who is sassy and sexy and free, and from this day and forevermore, I pledge allegiance to me. You are tuned in to KBOO Portland. I am Taria Autry, your host for Poetic License, and I have pulled another fabulous show out of the vault. The show is from last March. It features an incredible lineup of fantastic women poets. Um, the majority are women poets and attribute to this being International Women's Month and fabulous month of March. I also want to let everyone know out in Portland that I will be in town this coming April. Yes, April 2017. I will be doing the show live at the station. And I am just putting the word out that we're going to try and have some people call in, share, because it's my birthday that night. And so I'm hoping to hear from some people. Maybe someone will drop by and share some poetry. We'll have some special guests, and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you'll tune in. And now we're going to head back to the episode from March of 2016. But I look forward to being live in the studio this coming April 3rd, 2017, to bring you Poetic License Fresh from the station KBOO Portland. Gender, black femme poet from Baltimore, Maryland. Their work has been featured on such sites as Voicemail Poems, Drunk in a Midnight Choir, Words Dance, and Bitchtopia, as well as anthologies such as Poems for the Queer Revolution and After Ferguson. In solidarity from Morning Glory Press, they curate a blog at Kiki Nicole Poetry Tumblr.com. Let's welcome Kiki Nicole to the stage. Learning to twerk alone in your bedroom, a self-love story <laughs> after same sex. One. And you still can't isolate them hips yet don't know enough about having rhythm in your soul the way it leaks out of your hands. Your fingers can fold hair over and under, turn summer box braids into a family quilt. You can document the diaspora, but not dance it. You keep trying anyway. There are both things that will, that will never leave your bedroom. What I mean is, this is what makes us girls or things. 
There is this shame that fits so easily on grease scalps. There is this frightening thing that runs down plaques, and we have the nerve to call it poetry, too. Mama's playing Erica again. The whole apartment smells of vanilla candles and cocoa butter. Joe Scott waits in the tub for your mama to join her. She saves a space in the bed like some kind of father figure. In the morning, they put on matching hoop earrings. The whole apartment feels like warm. The kind of love that comes from a thousand lip gloss stained forehead kisses. The kind of love like collard greens on the stove. We all take off our shoes and put on satin bonnets. What is it about being black and woman that makes you feel so tired all the time? It is only 6 p.m. There is still so much living left to do. Three, girlhood coming towards you, softly smelling of Shea, Ashe, Ashe. Girlhood has to put on lotion every morning. Girlhood lighting candles for a bath or for a dinner, saying, everywhere you step is a place to be worshipped. Girlhood reading books on the stoop about different kinds of girlhoods the kind without the double dutch and the liquor store on the corner. Girlhood looking like shower caps to the pool. Girlhood's favorite hand game went shame, shame, shame. Girlhood hurting, but hiding the scars in her cornrows. Girlhood does not know how to part her hair that while well. she is afraid. Everyone else can see the wounds. What is it about being black and woman that makes you feel so afraid? The next speaker is Ebony Oldham. Ebony is a womanist, a writer, a poet, and singer who is homegrown in Northeast Portland. That deserves some applause. Thank you. For those who understand the context of that, she has over eight years of social justice organizing experience, and she is the current organizer for Black Lives Matter Portland. She is an advocate at New Avenues for Youth and a graduate student at Portland State University in the Graduate School of Education. She hopes to work to decolonize leadership and explore how colorism impacts the leadership of black women and women of color in organizing spaces, post-secondary education, and more broadly, uh, scholarships including ethnic studies and women gender studies. Let's welcome Ebony to the stage. Before performing her piece, Ebony gave a content warning, which I actually really like that title. And so instead of referring to it as a trigger warning, she gave a content warning. So you'll notice in the beginning of her piece, she shares a little about what sort of content to expect. So this is about colorism, anti-blackness, capitalism, misogynoir, self-harm, and suicide. I feel like Earth isn't really working out. But not in a I want this shit to end kind of way. But if I did, and I fuck this shit, it's none of your goddamn business kind of way. Earth isn't working out. But it feels like a workout. And out to work a piece of work that works but not to be outed. But I'm a workout. And out to work a piece of work a work that works 
to be outed. Not in a way I want to take my life kind of way, but in an everyday, every way, fuck this shit kind of day. Earth isn't working out. For melanin that rocks like this, that pops like this, that presents like this, you see, Earth isn't really working out. This whole being blacker than the berries with the juice gets bitter shit ain't working out. So yeah, sometimes I want to end this shit because I didn't consent to this shit, but I have to live in this shit. Skin, skin some skin off my back so I don't feel this shit. Stay my black ass out of the sun so I can conceal this shit. Take a blade to the skin so I can peel this shit off. I wish I could say no to this shit, but because every day I want to end this shit because I didn't consent to this shit, but no isn't a thing my shit gets I see. So no, Earth isn't fucking working out for me. I'm reminded that even if I fix my big ass mouth with that black stuff around my lips, Miss Porter said, that no doesn't really belong to me. I don't really feel like I belong to me. My mind, my body, my soul, and spirit is eternally weaponized. I am property sold and I am an object to be explored, and I am a mule to be worked, and I am capital to exploit, and I am a machine to be used without question, and I am a dumpster accessible to everyone, and I am tomorrow's trash, I am a backseat crowded, and I am a seatless bus to be maneuvered, and I am the tracks beneath the New York subway, and I am chasing pavement, and I'm a thoughtless place like a neighborhood gutter, and I am spam, unseen, and I am not human. Yet my physical remains remain present black as hell, they say. Self-esteem, they say. What self and what esteem, I say. No spectrum imaginable or thought will suffice for hell and black. I am feelings with no permission to feel. I am a story I don't get to tell. And healing unwritten onto pages. Fight, they say. Fighting in dark skin to remain in the shadows is too much work, I say. But I guess that's why I'm here. To resist what I know is coming, what is here, what is. Like, no was afforded to me in the first goddamn place. Seems inconsequential. But that's what I am, I guess. So I'll sit. Sit in this shit. Shit created for me to sit in, created for, for and created black by intention till death do us part. Parting the idea that I'm allowed to part. I'd have to be alive to part anyway. So remember, when all of your all-knowing asses suggest that I just say no, you're affirming that ironically you don't see how my tar baby black ass moves through the world, but I guess that's how this shit works anyway. You see, Earth isn't really working out for me. Intersar is an explorer. She's a photographer, a dancer, a writer, and a performer. Born in Memphis, Tennessee to a family of artists, activists, and historians, she is always chasing the important tale, the tale that can potentially change the future. Intisar is currently working on The Black Portlanders, perhaps you've heard of it. It's a photo essay and exploratory project documenting the presence of people of African descent in Portland, Oregon. You can find her work on intisarambiato.com. Let's welcome Intisar to the stage.
This is a list. This is, this is, this is, this is not the best poem ever.
are like 80 and 90 and 100 and they're like alive and together somewhere. <laughs> I, I was interested in that because it's like, and you know, and like these people who are over 100, you know, these black couples and you know, whether they were born in like the 20s or something and it's like, it's so amazing, like, you guys are still here, and you guys are together, and like, you see their pictures, sometimes you'll go in their houses, and you'll see like a picture of them, and just how, how magical that is. And I wonder about love, I don't really know about love. If it, well, I know about love between friends and family, but I don't know, it feels like kind of love, romantic love feels a little bit like a myth. And like, I don't, I know it's real, seen it talked about, but I haven't really experienced it, and I'm, I wonder, so I thought I'd write this story about uh, this, this, this old black couple and like what, how they stayed together, what their minds did, and why they're magical. Just a, a weird detour, when I was like 19, I, I had a, like, a, like I had a project for, you know, like for college I went to, you know, um, yeah, to spell college and Lynch, and they, they wanted us to interview women in our family. And I interviewed my, I interviewed my grandmother. She must have been around a little over 90, like 91, 1993, 94, something like that. And I asked her about sex, and like, we never talk about sex in my father's family. Um, and she said, it's dangerous. <laughs> Like, and it was like she said the way, like, this is like, like, you know, like, it wasn't anything else to talk about. <laughs> and at the time, I like, I was like, oh, it must be more than that. You know? I mean, she had 14 children. <laughs> she, had, she, had, she had seven girls and seven boys. And, and I was like, you know, and I feel like there must be more than that. Like, it must be something. <laughs> And at the time, I hadn't had sex. And later, I had sex. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. <laughs> it still hasn't been what I thought it would be. 
talked to herself in another age. And that she was her own partner all the time. Many times. It's every time. In the past, and the future. Thank you, Interson. And you'll be hearing more from the Aviata family. The next to the stage is Jules Harrison. Jules was born in New York City. She grew up in Atlanta. And she woke up in Portland. <laughs> Trying to be a lady, always a woman, and teaching her three teenage girls the same. Writing is her way to purge the demons and give voice to the ancestors. This spring, you can find Jules Harrison on Tumblr, and in the coming weeks, under Jules-from-dot-dash-cole. Let's welcome Jules Harrison to the stage. So this is my first time, so you guys be gentle. <laughs> Shit, I'm late. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I noticed Pearl's evil twin, Ruby, hadn't shown up for her monthly visit. Evil in that she has a tendency to wreak havoc on my underwear when I'm not expecting her. But this was a bigger issue. Pregnancy, a baby, another life to shape, mold, and unleash on the world. My first child was my third pregnancy. The first I aborted because I didn't think I was ready. The second I carried to 22 weeks, six days. My cervix decided to spontaneously open and I started having contractions. After 12 hours and IV and mentally begging my cervix to close, I miscarried. It was a boy. My family was relieved that I hadn't produced a bastard child while living in sin with the boyfriend. I was later told by an OB at the free clinic that I had an incompetent cervix. <laughs> that it was probably caused by my abortion and that I had a 50-50 chance of carrying a child to term. So this was going to be my miracle baby. I had stitches placed in my cervix and I did everything the doctors told me. Well, close to everything. I had shit to prove. <laughs> Fuck you, gravity. <laughs> I also read about exercise and I took my ass to the pool and did the crawl because, well, I wasn't about to mess up my hair. <laughs> I didn't tell my family about this pregnancy. Not the entire time I was carrying her. Not even my mother knew. You see, we get along when I pretty much stay out of the way. Being a gray sheep amongst black sheep makes you a target. Telling them I was pregnant before was met with a stoic silence and a look of utter contempt. The pregnancy went well. I had the stitch removed, and at 36 weeks, four days, and 12 hours of labor with no meds, I had this live, independently breathing, intermittently screaming, <laughs> baby. Her name is Destiny. <laughs> Shit. I'm late. A baby. The potential for one. Another one. Well, this would be different. No more free clinic. I had a decent job and benefits too. The boyfriend was upgraded to the husband. <laughs> Two years had passed, we got this. 
pregnant. Okay, to the doctor to confirm our go. Whole new office, lots of white faces, plenty of judgment. At least at the free clinic, they didn't look down at me. But I was married now. I thought things would be different if I had to pay the copay. Damn. I peed in the cup and I waited for the results. A lot of if-then conversation came up. If I am pregnant, then I'm gonna get an abortion. I can't do this again. It's too soon. I had plans that included a two-door coupe, not a minivan. The battle raged in my head. 30 minutes later, my fears were confirmed. The plus sign, the blue line, I'm pregnant. It was early, about three weeks, and I immediately was scheduled for an appointment to see the specialist. I drove home in a state of strategizing. Well, it's a good thing I have a sedan. I can fit two seats in the back. I, can, I got some car clothes that may still work, all right? On and on, I made plans. I told the husband, who mumbled something about looking for another job. I told my family, and they were more amiable this time around. I told my coworkers, 12 middle-aged women working at a bank that ran like a factory, and they were excited. I went to the specialist about a week later. I went alone. Husband was at work, and I could use the alone time. I bought a list. I had pregnancy rights, and damn it, I'm entitled to something for paying insurance, right? <laughs> we talked in the exam room for a moment, him going over history, me trying to fight for some rights. A water birth, I asked. A what, the doctor said. I explained. Oh, our facilities aren't equipped for that here, ma'am. I sighed, putting away the list. Later, it's too early. I went to the ultrasound room to change from an internal ultrasound. It was too early to hear a heartbeat. This was new, I hadn't had that before. This will be a little different, said the tech. Yeah, I know the drill, I shot back. A probe with a condom went expertly into my vagina and quickly stopped at the base of my cervix opening. Thankfully, the gel was warm. <laughs> I looked at the screen, all black with the occasional smear or blob of gray. The tech maneuvered the probe a bit and then stopped. There were two blobs. Two babies. Twins. <laughs> Holy shit. I thought I knew, but I had no idea. Game on, body. Let's do this. I went to appointments. I missed work, and at four months, I endured the stitches again. I was told to go on bed rest. I laughed. I was told this before. I went swimming. I have work to do. Bed rest? I'm going to the pool after work. At 26 weeks, I got a call from the office. We can't let you come back to work if you're on mandated bed rest. I was devastated. I begged my doctor to let me go back to work. I'd spent the last two pregnancies not working, and it nearly drove me batshit crazy. You got this. I spent time doing yoga around my expanding belly, fantasizing about names and matching clothes. Okay, well, slightly matching clothes. I opted out about finding out the biosex of babies because I really didn't want to know. What I wanted to know was how we going to fit three kids in a two-bedroom apartment. As luck would have it, the Mormon couple with three kids just bought a house and they were moving out the three-bedroom across the way. At 35 weeks, six days, I went into labor. 
I fired the recommended insurance OB and went with the OB that delivered Destiny, Dr. Lou. John Lou MD had left the clinic and had now had his own practice. Dr. Lou was on point. He never once supported the notion that my body had failed me. He did admonish me, though, for not being on bed rest sooner. In all honesty, I was one of his better patients. Some of his patients didn't get care at all until it was too late, as in still carrying a dead baby too late. I arrived at the hospital with my husband and my gear. If I couldn't have the water birth, I was going to dance it out. Fuck you, high-risk pregnancy. <laughs> Music was essential. For destiny, it was Sam Cooke, and a change is going to come. <laughs> this time, I was dancing salsa. A young 20-something white nurse looked puzzled as I ignored the hospital gown and went for my oversized nightshirt. It could have said, don't fuck with me. And she still wouldn't have got the message that I wasn't here to play. And this wasn't your normal L&D, where the patient does and what she's told and just lays there. Prez Prado was playing, and I'm doing the cha-cha alone. The husband learned last time I damn near squeezed his hand off during the last contraction. My mom came this time, and she was excited. This is the same woman who spat out a year earlier. You're not having another one, right? The same woman that told me that I was the survivor of a spontaneous abortion when she was pregnant with me. And that I was a preemie, born at 29 weeks and one and a half pounds. Look at me now. I've got this. I opted for the epidural about four hours in. I was tired and well, my spin moves weren't on point like they were at week 20. <laughs> I watched as the room was prepped. Two births mean two teens. And with the added bonus of this being a teaching hospital and twin births not happening often, I was treated like a rare animal, a monkey. This was Atlanta after all. This may be the birth and resting place of MLK, but racism and asshole pretentiousness is alive and well. Yes. In the midst of my euphoric state, brought to me by a tube in my spine, I heard the nurse refer to me as a breeder. Being drunk does lessen my response time, but I know what I heard. I got this. Okay, focus and get this done. All right, time's up. Circus is open and ready to go. Contractions, while numb, feel like squeezing a ball in silence with gloves on. Teams are ready, and they look like they're in doomsday mode. Focus, push, focus, push. What the hell? Out comes number one, a boy. He was the dominant twin. Kept shoving number two out the way for camera time. <laughs> Soon after, the afterbirth is out, and team two gets ready for the next catch. Apparently, there's a problem. This one wants to come out arm first. So Lou tries to reposition the arm and coax the head to come first instead. Contractions are going steady. My mom is crying, and here comes my daughter, fist first. <laughs> she said it for me. Fuck you, establishment. <laughs> my mom's cervix is far from incompetent. You are listening to KBOO Portland. This is Poetic License, and I am your host, Taria Autry. If you would like to hear past episodes of Poetic License, you can check them all out 
on my website, www.turiaautry.com. That's www.turiaautry.com. And now, let's hear from some more poets at the Unchaste reading series that took place in February in Portland, Oregon. All right, next to the stage is Darlene Solomon Rogers, AKA Black Butterfly, spoken word artist. She's a singer, a songwriter, an entertainer, and an activist. Her love for the arts has allowed her to explore several layers of her calling, be it spoken word, motivational speaking, singing, theater, event planning, or promoting which she has allowed the creator to use her ministry to inspire others to follow their calling. Black Butterfly promotes and showcases local talent through her events, Black Butterfly Presents, and she has revived a city favorite, a weekly event entitled Love Jumps. Black Butterfly also hosts a bi-weekly community engagement show called Rose City Gumbo. She believes in the philosophy that you can be the change that you want to see in the world. I remember we would play outside all day. See, we didn't have no problems, no worries. See, braiding hair was how I made my money. Or occasionally, babysitting the baby. See, call me a hopeless romantic, but I remember when good men love good women. See, love was the connection and it was free. It wasn't all about the money. See, patience was the key to our story. And to God went all the glory. What happened to you and me? This is some strange scenery. This is some strange scenery. Now, brothers are banging on the block trying to not get stopped by the cops and the madness don't stop. Babies are having babies and killing babies. Nobody cares about a thing except the money, the sex, the cause, the bling. The money, the sex, the cause, the bling. The money, the sex, the cause, the bling. Where did our future go? I really want to know, can somebody tell me what happened to our story? What happened to our history? See, we used to say please and thank you and we held the door for the person standing behind you and we had respect for our elders too. See, they had a story to tell that was long and strong and community was the norm. See, they had a bigger picture and it held us all and we danced to Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. <laughs> now, brothers are banging on the block trying to not get stopped by the cops and the madness don't stop. Babies are having babies and killing babies. Nobody cares about a thing except the money, the sex, the cause, the blame. The money, the sex, the cause, the blame. Where did our future go? I really want to know, can somebody tell me? What happened to our story? What happened to our history? See, drugs flooded our community. It was all a part of the plan, you see. See, we needed to start a mutiny. We still sending babies off to war, and nobody cares about the poor, and everyone is in such a rush. What happened to the love? What happened to the love? Now we got Brothers banging on the block trying to not get stopped by the cops and the madness don't stop. Babies are having babies and killing babies and nobody cares about a thing except the money, the sex, the cause, 
the bling, the money, the sex, the cause, the bling. We need to change this thing immediately. In honor of her commitment to social justice, Rhodesi received an award from the renowned civil rights activist Rosa Parks. And as a result of that, Rhodesi's name, as Rochelle DeHart, is included on the historic wall of tolerance in Montgomery, Alabama. In April 2015, as of April 2015, Rochelle currently resides in her hometown of Portland. With her two sons, she is presently working on her eighth book release. It's a children's book series that's co-written with her seven-year-old son, Terrence Jr. Let's welcome to the stage, Ro Deasy. For years, I shed my blood, my sweats, my tears. I cried, I tried, I lied, and then I died. Labeled by this world as a breed of a lower class, you expect me to, yet reject me when I do. Talk drunk, half-naked, showing the skin of sacred flesh and ass. And at the same time, by the same crooked expectations, you don't accept me into any other clique than the offspring of some tainted plantation. And for too many years, I fed into these racist dreams. On the outside, face listening, but on the inside, a black woman's soul screams. So in search of higher things, I dare to step out of the line and find my place in this world which had been buried under years of time. And as I challenge you, I'm daring you to challenge me. You better think before you do. You'll be amazed at what you see. 30-something years after my original conception, I am born again, but this time I don't cry. I accept your rejection. Platform shoes, dreadlocks, and dark skin knocking on the door of white America, and I dare you to let me in. A creative mind overflowing black woman queen of a forgotten land. They thought that welfare, food stamps, and other systems would hold us down. Well, think again and take a look around. We are everywhere, and we're coming with that sassy, street-smart attitude. Independent, self-sufficient, financially stable, and educated. So bye-bye, blues. For years, it is me that you have searched for. Well, here I am. I am a woman, a black woman. Now watch me roar. I have the rebel spirit of Angela Davis, the New Day woman is a Mary J. Blige. You hear Nikki Giovanni and Sonia Sanchez in my talk. You see them in my stride. The eloquence of Maya Angelou with the financial reign of Oprah. Here I come, a black woman born again, so move over. If you are black, white, Asian, Indian, or Tampa, it matters, you get out my way. Because I have just been born again. And I have finally been set free. I just found out who I am. And now it is all about me. I am sassy, classy, all-powerful. I can change this world. I am woman, a black woman, emerging from a young girl. This moment has been a long time coming, but it will not soon come to pass. Black woman, born again, and now feel my wrath as I slay you back for what you did to me. Drag my name to hell and back with twisted history. Label my men as animals and said my kid was no good. Try that again. I wish you would. Humble I stand, but this time I stand firm. Hand on my hip, backbone dip. My words flash like fire, you feel me burn. Shedding layers of who I used to be, breaking free into a world that quite frankly don't know what to do with me. You shun me, but at the same time you cannot help but to adore. For I am the reborn black 
woman. Now step back and watch me roar. The next reader is Wanda Aviero. She's a Mississippi down-home girl graduated from Spelman College in Atlanta, and it was there that she began to conceptualize from an intellectual perspective the beauty and power of women as a force of nature. While rearing her five children, she told them stories on top of stories, and sometimes she allowed herself permission to breathe in the arts. After more than 35 years practicing law, the voice of her arts is now seeking relief in poetry, dramatic readings. Her hands seek solace through sewing, drawing, and painting, and her spirit seeks symbolism, archetypes, and meaning in everything and everyone. My life is the life of God. God is all that is. Each and every day, the universe unfolds in splendor in my life. As a rose unfolds full of grace in the early morning dew, the Lord unfolds the secrets of his universe, of her universe, within the hidden chambers of my mind. And I, like the wave, flow to the shore, changing forever the pattern of the beach, changing forever the pattern of each grain of sand. And I, like the wind, know the limitless splendor and power of an invisible presence moving amidst atmospheric levels in poised sequence. Now I speak. I speak the word of the wind blowing, the wave flowing, the rose unfolding my life, your life is the life of God, goddess, all that is. I remember my first day. Mama put me on new patent leather shoes, a new slip, and new ruffle drawers. I remember my first day. I had on a new red hat, and a new red dress, and a red satchel. You know the kind that you put your new tablets in and they write your name in big capital letters. I walked into that big old classroom. My mama had told me that I could do this thing. And my daddy said, do that thing. <laughs> but they forgot to tell me that they would come in. Shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. Clank, clank, clank. Orange jumpsuits. Breathing stanky, no water. Breath stanky, no water, and no water. They didn't tell me that. They would all be white up in the front of the classroom. They would all be white. They forgot to tell me that the back of the classroom would be all black. And they would shuffle, 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 shuffle. Clank, clank, clank. They didn't tell me that the Defenders of Liberty would be yelling nigga nigga in the courtroom in 1986, 1996, 2006, 2016. No one told me nothing. And I had to see it for myself. And the sight of that shuffle, 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 clank, 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 
I gasped for air until the darkness descended upon my red dress, red shoes, red satchel, and I would run red. And right there, they whispered, blood, baby blood. I understood that my blood would stand guard at the door. No, no spook, no me. For years I've been waiting in blood. It ain't all about the defender. It's about those spells that I be weaving in and out every time I wade through blood at the back of the room. Shuffle, shuffle, clank, clank, clank. And I sashay myself right on up to the front and I let that blood from the back flow like a river right on up to the front, drowning, staining, covering, and they take it home with them. <laughs> and they forget the stains upon themselves and they crawl into bed with their significant other making love, making baby stain with the blood from the back. Shuffle, 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 clank, clank, clank. Generations whisper back. We forget that generations whisper back. And so we don't need no guns, cause generations whisper back. It ain't all about the defendant. It ain't all about that defendant. Sometimes it's about the door open wide and letting the river run, shuffle, 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 clank, 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 making babies in red blood from the back of the house to the front. New blood whispers back, be creeping and crawling, caterpillars be running to the back of the house becomes the front of the house. And then I close the door, strip butt naked, and walk home with a brand new son. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Salima <laughs> is a writer, a filmmaker, and an all-around creator. Again, from Memphis, Tennessee, her website is kalimaabiato.com. Let's welcome her to the stage. I'm going to build my shelter. I'm going to build my shelter. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Poetic License. I'm your host, Taria Autry, and I will be back again next week, 10 p.m., live streaming Pacific Standard Time on www.kboo.fm. And as a birthday tribute to myself, I'm going to be sharing a lot of my own work with you, so tune in to that. I'm going to take you out with a local artist, the one and only... Saida Mama Say Right. This is off the album Be Speak Love. The song is called What Happened to Love. Thanks for tuning in to Poetic License. You can catch past episodes and this episode in a few days after it airs 
at my website, www.tariaautry.com. That's www.t-u-r-i-y-a-a-u-t-r-y.com. Make a change. This program has been made possible in a part by KBU Foundation members and a grant from Hawthorne Veterinary Clinic, striving to promote the health and well-being of your animal companions by blending conventional and alternative medicine. Hawthorne Vet is located at 1431 Southeast 23rd, just north of Hawthorne in Portland. Information at 503-233-2332 and hawthornevet.com. Could you come forward, please? Y'all are new at this, I'm guessing. Could you come forward, please? 